You're listening to a sermon preached at First Baptist Church in Farwell, Texas. We are committed to loving God, loving people, and going into the world to share the gospel. We pray you find this message both challenging and encouraging. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to the Gospel of John, John chapter 13. We're going to start in verses 31, read down through verse 35. I want to start a new sermon series this morning out of the book of John called Authentic Disciples, or Authentic Disciple. John chapter 13 through John chapter 17 is the last, really the last few hours of Jesus' life. Jesus isn't spending any more time with unbelievers until he is arrested. The rest of his time from John chapter 13 through John chapter 17, Jesus is spending his time and he is speaking to believers. People who have placed their trust in him as the Messiah, as their Lord and Savior. Now they don't really understand all of that. They don't understand that uh, he is going to be crucified. They don't want to believe that. They don't understand that he is going to rise three days later. But yet he is talking to them almost one-on-one on what it means to be an authentic disciple, a true follower of Christ. And he is preparing them for what life is going to be like in his absence. And again, they don't understand that. We, we know uh, now, if we've spent any time in church at all, that, that Jesus is crucified and he uh, is buried and then uh, arose three days later. But they don't, they don't understand that yet. But what Jesus is preparing them and us for is this period we call the church age, this period between Jesus' rapture and his second coming. And he is showing us on ways we are to live if we are going to be a true disciple, an authentic disciple. So over the next several weeks, God willing, we're going to talk about how to be an authentic disciple, how to be a true disciple. So if you have your Bible, follow along with me in John chapter 13, verse 31. It says this, when he had left, he is Judas. Judas has left the other 11 disciples in Jesus. Jesus has just washed their feet. They are in the process of of having communion, having uh, the Last Supper. And Judas leaves the crowd. He leaves with the purpose of turning Jesus in to the Pharisees and the Roman guards. When he had left, Jesus said, Now the Son of Man is glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, being Jesus, God will also glorify Jesus in himself and will glorify him at once. Verse 33, Children, I am with you a little while longer, Jesus says, speaking to the 11 disciples now. You will look for me, and just as I told the Jews, so now I tell you where I'm going, you cannot come. When Jesus says, just as I told the Jews, what he, he's talking to Jews, he's talking to the, to the disciples, but he is, he is saying to, to that group of people who were my enemy, just as I told them, I am going away. I am now telling you, I am going away, 
But where I am going, you cannot come. Verse 34, I give you a new command. Love one another just as I have loved you. Underline, highlight those two words, just as. Love one another just as I have loved you. You are also to love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Father, speak to us by the power of your word. Will you do what only you can do by the power of the Holy Spirit? Change us, shape us. It's in your son's precious and holy name I pray. Amen. Before we get into what it looks like to be an authentic disciple, I want you to notice a few things about the text. And the first is the weight or the emotion, if you will, that is in the text. And I would encourage you, as you study God's Word, always look for the weight or the emotion. Something is going on that adds to what Jesus is saying. Can you imagine going to the doctor, and the doctor says, gives you a prognosis that is not good, and then he says these words, there's nothing we can do. We'll let you go home. We'll do everything that we can to keep you comfortable. Would you say there's weight in the room? There's weight in the room. When Jesus gives that prognosis, there's weight. But when he says there is nothing we can do, all we can help you with is to help you be comfortable, there's, there's weight there. And that's the weight or the emotion that is in the room. Judas has just left. The disciples don't know what Judas is about to do, but Jesus knows exactly what Judas is about to do. And Jesus knows this is the moment. Crucifixion is right around the corner. Arrest, the beatings, the false trial is all right around the corner. The time is now. It's here. And that is the emotion that is in our story this morning. That's the emotion, that the weight that is in our story. The next thing I want you to notice real quick is the purpose of the text. And this is where it really gets in for us as far as, as how we can be authentic disciples. Jesus says, he uses a term that he uses nowhere else to the 11 disciples. He uses it here one time, and that is children. It's the only time Jesus refers to the disciples as children. Here's grown men. And he says to them, children. Now remember the weight, the emotion that is in the room. And he says to these 11 disciples, children, I am with you a little while longer. You will look for me. And just as I told the Jews, so now I tell you where I am going, <coughs> you cannot come. Jesus has, has recognized their pattern. Every time Jesus goes off somewhere to pray, what happens? A crowd follows him. Every time Jesus goes across the sea to, uh, to take a little bit of a, a break, a, a rest, what happens? The crowd follows him. 
And here he is saying, where I am about to go into heaven, we'll look at this a little bit more next week, but you cannot come. Not now anyway. You will come, but not at this very moment. Jesus is preparing his disciples for his departure. And then we get into the command. Look with me at the command. Verse 34. I give you a new command. Love one another just as I have loved you. You are also to love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Now let me confess to you from the very beginning that there is great difficulty in defining, wrapping our mind, completely understanding this command to love one another just as Christ loved us. When Jesus commands us to love one another, He's giving us a new word. When He spoke these words to these 11 disciples, He spoke a new word that they had never, it wasn't that they had never heard love before, but they had never heard love defined the way that Jesus defined it. It is a completely new word. Jesus doesn't describe the word love by the law, although he could have, but if he would have described love by the law, it would have fallen short of what Jesus really meant. Now, there's nothing wrong with the law. It's not that the law doesn't express love. Uh, we, we all know uh, some toddlers, maybe some teenagers, some adults even, who never had the law laid down on them, right? The law doesn't mean, or the absence of law doesn't mean love. Sometimes the law very well means love. Listen, if your child is playing out in the road and you, and you lay down the law and you scream at them, get out of the road, we don't play in the road. Listen, you are saying that out of love, right? But, but Jesus doesn't use the law to express the word love. He doesn't define it by the word love or by, by the law. He doesn't describe the word love by using charity as an example either. Although charity is a great way to express love. We are called to, 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 be, uh, to be givers. We're called to take care of those who, who don't have food, who don't have clothing. We're called to bless others. But even as close as charity is to the definition, Jesus doesn't use the word charity. He uses a completely new word. He defines it in a completely new way. Listen, no matter how you or I try to describe or define this word love, we will fall short unless we describe or define it in the same terms Jesus does. Any attempt to describe this word love without describing it the way Jesus does makes the word too tame. It makes the word too passive. It, it makes it too powerless. It's, it can't be described outside of describing it the way Jesus described it. Listen, if we if, if we try to describe it outside of the way Jesus described it, here's what happens. 
we will describe it using our feelings, using a term that, that ties back to feelings. Think about it. Just, just try to describe in your own minds quickly what it is, what does love mean? You will, you will immediately go to a feeling. We have no sufficient word. Therefore, we must patiently strive to master the meaning of this massive word, love, with the only light that is left for us, and that is the light of Jesus Christ. It is only by looking at the life of Christ can we truly define or describe this word love that's in our command. Jesus describes the word love by pointing us to himself. Look at the command. Love one another just as, here's the definer, just as I have loved you. Jesus points back to himself in saying, this is what true love is. Love one another just as I have loved you. Listen, Jesus' life is the definition of love. Jesus is love. Think about all that we have studied in the first 12 chapters of the book of John. And as you study the rest of the Gospels that reveal to us Jesus Christ, all of the qualities, all the characteristics, you can look at the life of Jesus Christ and point to the, to the life of Jesus Christ and say, that is true love. Jesus says for us to love one another just as I have loved you. I want to give you two points in the message this morning. How, this authentic disciple. What does it mean to be an authentic disciple? The first thing I want you to notice is this. The newness of the command. The newness of the command. Or maybe another way of saying it is the uniqueness of the command. He says here in verse 34, look with me. He says, I give you a new command. Love one another. Now, you might be thinking, wait a minute, I mean, maybe you've just spent a little bit of time in God's Word, and, 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 and you go, wait a minute, I, I think I've heard this before. The great commandment says, love the Lord your God with all that you have, and the second is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. Leviticus tells us to love our neighbor as ourself. Listen, the, the Jews and the Greeks... They knew that they were to love one another. But in their minds, that meant for a Jew to love another Jew, but not to love a Greek. And in the Greeks' mind, that meant for the Greeks to love other Greeks, but, but not a Jew. The Jew would look at a Greek and say they are nothing but lower than a dog. They are trash. They are dung. That's what a Jew would think of a Greek, even though they would say, I am following the commands of God to love my neighbor. Sure, I love my neighbor. I just hate the Greeks. And the Greeks would look at the Jews and say they're, 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 they're pompous. They're, 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 they're barbarians. You see, the Jews had no problem loving their neighbor. But the problem was this. Their neighbor became Jews who thought like they thought. And the Greeks had no problem loving their neighbor. But the problem was that the Greeks had neighbors that thought the way they thought. 
They might not even go outside of their, their neighborhood, if you will, even though they were a Greek. But do you remember what Jesus says? While he preached the greatest sermon that's ever been preached, the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5, verse 43. Listen to it as I read this to you. Listen to what Jesus says. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, here's the weight, here's the power of this text. You have heard from the priest, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be children of your Father in heaven. For he causes his son to rise on the evil and the good. He sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. For if you love those who love you, what reward will you have? You see, loving our neighbor is simple because we surround ourselves. We're no different than the Jews and the Greeks. We surround ourselves with like-minded people. On our social media feed, we friend people that are like us. And then we're always like, where did that thought come from? It's easy to love those who are like-minded. Jesus says, what, what reward will you have? Don't even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers and sisters, what are you doing out of the ordinary? Don't even the Gentiles do the same? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Here's Jesus' command. We go back to our text this morning. I give you a new command. It's not love your neighbor and pray for those who persecute you, although we are to do that. But he says love one another. Love one another. Just as I have loved you. So we see the, the newness or the uniqueness of this command is that now the boundaries of our love is not just our neighbor. The boundaries of our love is also, think with me for just a moment, just as I have loved you. When did Jesus love us? While we were still an enemy. While we were still full of sin. While we were still full of unrighteousness, arrogance, perverseness. Jesus chose to love us. And so the, the scope is much larger now. The scope is not people who look like us, think like us, live in the same financial circles as us, vote the same way as we vote. Jesus blows the walls out of our boundaries of our love. And he says, love one another just as I have loved you. And that leads me to the second point, the measure of the command. The uniqueness is new command, love one another. He blows the walls out. Now watch the measure of the command, love one another. Here's the measure, just as I have loved you. Listen, this statement cost him his life. And it will cost us. The love that Jesus is calling us to is not a simple command whatsoever. It will cost us. He loved his disciples. Jesus loved those who loved him. 
Jesus loved those who hated him. Jesus loved those who persecuted him. Jesus loved those who beat him. Jesus loved those who spit in his face. Jesus loved those who nailed his hands to the cross. And it was Jesus while on the cross who prayed this prayer to God the Father. Looking down on those who have just nailed him there. Father, forgive them. That's love. That's love. Listen, guys, men, specifically, I know that this command does not sound masculine. And I hope you hadn't already checked out. Love one another. Maybe you're thinking, surely this is a command for the motherly types out there. Not for me. And I would say, yes, but not only. This command is one that none of us who call ourselves Christians can avoid. We can't avoid this command. Don't lose sight, men specifically. Listen, hear me when I say this. Don't lose sight of who Jesus is speaking to. Jesus is speaking to the 11 remaining disciples, most of which are hardworking men. Men who have calluses on their hands. Men whose necks are like leather from the sun beating down on them. Men who work long hours with no guarantee of pay. These are some rough, rugged men. And Jesus says to them, love one another just as I have loved you. You are also to love one another. Listen, guys. You don't have to give up your man card to obey this command. You can still be rough, rugged, manual, uh, masculine, and love one another. Listen, genuine, true, authentic disciples are identified by their love. Not by their love for something, but their ability to love the way Christ loved us. Listen, this does not come natural, especially for us men. This doesn't come natural. Maybe a little bit more natural for women, but even Jesus blows that out when he says, love one another just as I have loved you. He blows the wall. The, 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 the measure is, is beyond our comprehension, what, what he's saying here. But listen, what doesn't come natural comes empowered by the Holy Spirit for the child of God. Let me say that again. This is not natural for us to love those who persecute us, to love those who spit in our face, to love those who have done us wrong. That doesn't come natural. But what doesn't come natural comes empowered for the child of God through the power of the Holy Spirit. I want you to notice one other thing. Who he's speaking to? But I want you to notice when he's speaking to. Don't lose sight of when Jesus is giving them this command. To love one another wasn't an interview question that Jesus asked the disciples when he was choosing them. It wasn't like, uh, Matthew, I want you to come over here for just a second. How are you doing on your loving one another? No. Peter, I uh, know you're not doing well. 
Thomas, no, you're not either. No, it wasn't wasn't an interview question. Jesus didn't start here. This is key. Jesus didn't start here. Jesus calls them as they are to follow him. He shows them, he disciples them, if you will, on what true love is. And then, after he has spent a year and a half, almost two years with them, maybe a little over two years with them, he then gives them this command to imitate him. That's what he's saying. I want you to imitate me. You have spent the last two years with me. Now, I am about to leave you. This is about to happen. There's nothing you can do to change it. I am about to leave you. And this is how I want you to live the rest of your days. To love one another just as I have loved you. So we see who Jesus is is giving this command to. We see when Jesus is giving us this command. And I want you to know, guys and women, there is room for growth, right? We can learn how to be obedient. Have you seen the 10-year challenge on social media? Picture 10 years ago and the picture today. Has your walk with Christ changed in the last 10 years? Is there, is, is there, have you been shaped, have you been molded to be more like Christ? This is what Jesus is doing with the disciples. He, didn't, he knew they weren't here when he called them, but he's about to leave. And he is saying to them, I want you to do this. And I want you to imitate me. You've seen how I've loved the people who have spoke ill against me. You've seen how I've loved the people who have tried to harm me. You've seen how, the, how I've loved people who have continued to question me time and time and time again. Now I want you to go and do likewise. Listen, it cost Jesus his life. Listen, I want you to understand. It will cost us. It will cost us our time. It will cost us our energy. It will cost us our financial resources. It will cost us our self-defined, culturally defined way of life. And to be honest with you, this is why this command is refuted. It's because it'll cost us. It's why this command is made fun of. It's because it'll cost us. It's why this command is, is made light of. It's why this command is ignored. It's why this command is disobeyed by many Christians. It's because it will cost us to be obedient to the command that Jesus is giving us. If we're going to be an authentic disciple, it will cost us. Listen, of all of our emotions, of all the emotions that we have as human beings, love is the one that we're the most selfish with. It's the one we give away the least because we don't want to pay the cost. Because we don't want to be harmed. We often ask the question, before I give you love, what will you give me? What am I to gain out of this relationship? Do you see why Jesus defines the word love the way he does? 
It's a new word. It's a new command. Love one another just as I have loved you. The third thing I want you to notice is the purpose in His command. The purpose of the command. Oh, this is, this is it. Verse 35. By this. What is this? The way we love one another. Just as Christ loved us. By this. By us fulfilling this command. By us being obedient to this command. By us growing in this command. Everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. This is our responsibility in the absence of Jesus Christ. Listen, this is, this is the fuel. You and I have 168 hours this next week. And this is the fuel behind those 168 hours. No matter what you do in the next 168 hours, you can obey this command. It's going to cost you. But remember, it doesn't come natural, but it's empowered by the Holy Spirit. You and I have the ability in the next 168 hours, we have in the next few minutes, but we have it in the next 168 hours to say, God, every place my feet go, I have an opportunity to, to love others the way you have loved me. And you say, why would I do that? Why would I go to school and love others the way you love me? Why would I go to work? Why would I go shopping? I don't, I don't know why you'd go shopping anyway, but why would I go shopping? Why would I go wherever for the net, wherever your feet take you for the next 168 hours, God is saying, I am giving you an opportunity after an opportunity after an opportunity to love others outside of your bubble, outside of your comfort zone, outside of your scope. I'm giving you an opportunity to love them the way I have loved you. Why? Because then they will know that you are my disciples. How's the world going to know? Because we checked in at church. How's the world going to know? They will know by the way we love one another. Let me close with this story. A number of years ago, a Belgian man by the name of Johann Lucas. He was an evangelical missionary to his home country and he's struggling but no work is being done there's just no fruit thank you for listening to this sermon if you'd like more information about our church or have any questions regarding the sermon you just heard we would love to hear from you you can visit our website at www.fbcfarwell.org or send an email to info at fbcfarwell.org you can also find us on facebook and twitter by searching fbc farwell it is our prayer that the sermon you listened to was equally challenging and edifying to your walk with christ thank you again for listening and have a blessed week hopeless, which drove him to prayer. Prayer drove him to Scripture. And God took him to John chapter 13 in this verse, to love one another just as Christ loved us. And Johann devised a plan. 
First, he gathered together a diverse group of men and women, Belgian, Dutch, uh, Dutch I'm sorry, Americans, whoever would come. He's, he cries out to the nations, whoever would come, come. And he prays that God would send workers in to the harvest. The second thing that he does is he rents a house and they live together for seven months. Now, guess what happens when total strangers from different countries come together and they live together for seven months? Strife. Tension. That strife and tension did the same thing that the hopelessness did to Johann. It drove them to prayer and it drove them to Scripture. The Scripture took them to John chapter 13. Love one another. Those who are causing strife. Those who are causing tension. Love one another just as Christ loved us. And so they began to do that. And as they began to do that, they went out into the streets and they began to evangelize. And as they began to evangelize, as they began to share the gospel, they began to see people come to faith in Christ. They began to see five people come to Christ, ten people come to Christ, hundreds, thousands of people come to Christ. It all started when they got back into the Word of God and they became obedient to the Word of God that says this, love one another just as I have loved you. You know what the unbelievers in Belgium began to say? That's that group of people. They're lovers of one another. That's what the lost people began to say. They saw within this diverse group of people who at one time was having strife and having tension against each other, they are now loving one another, and they recognize that they were disciples of Jesus Christ. And they didn't see that anywhere else. And revival broke out. Think about your school, student. Any tension, any strife? Parents? Grandparents? In the workplace? In the family? Any tension? Any strife? Strife? In the neighborhood? Any tension? Any strife? In the church house? Surely not. Any tension? Any strife? What's the answer? For them to get it right? No, the answer is for authentic disciples to love one another just as Christ loved us. Amen?